Hello, Sobertown listeners. My name is Michael, MMC13 on the I Am Sober app, and it's my pleasure to be coming to you today on behalf of Sobertown and SobertownPodcast.com, your one-stop shop for sobriety. It is so much more than podcasts. I encourage you to explore the website and some of the amazing resources available there, learn about who we are, what we do, and gain access to other sober communities, education, and all the tools you need to fill your sober toolbox. We have a Sobertown Podcast Facebook group to connect with members of our community more easily. Most Sobertown members are also part of a community called I Am Sober, which we fondly call IAS. Download that app in your app store and discover a worldwide sober tribe. Volunteers across these communities provide daily online recovery meetings. The schedule for those can be located on SobertownPodcast.com. This is my sober solution, and I hope it may become part of yours. I'm so happy you found us. My guest today is one of the co-authors of the book, Uncommon Amongst the Common, Blueprint of Exceptional Achievers. Eve Mark Limo, right? You got it. You got it. You got it. Mark Limo. All right. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I'm excited to give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit and hear a little bit more about your inspirational program. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, tell us a little background and where'd you grow up and what's life like today? All right. Well, I grew up in near Montreal, Canada, where the winters are minus 30 and the summers are 80 and it's a really warm summer, a middle-class family where actually... The, my father was worked a lot, mom too. So I had a lot of sports to channel all my energy. I was a very high energy kid when a lot, when I was younger, a lot younger. So kind of had sports to really kind of get me out of trouble, kind of prevent me from going into trouble or going to things that probably later on I would, I would regret. So after that, I went to school, I kind of at high school, um, college, because we got college between university and high school here. College, I kind of, you know, I went to, I didn't know what I truly wanted to do. So I went, to, I did, I did my RN and I started in psychiatry. That kind of really opened the door of psychology. So I got my bachelor in psychoeducation. It's like a cross between a social worker and a psychologist. And while I was uh, doing my master's degree, I got offered a very nice position in the United States in the psychiatric hospital. So I went there for eight, nine years, came back because the, at that time, the health of my father was not doing very well. So I kind of started back home, take care of him and everything went back to normal. That was good. So after that, I decided that what I was learning in school was helping others, but not at a very fast paced. It was, it was slow and it was long and some, some people needed immediate care. So I went back to school in a neuro-linguistic programming. I went back and did the whole thing up to my postmasters, including hypnosis, Ericksonian, and uh, expansion of consciousness with the humanist that's now starting, that I love. And then I went to the crisis team in Prescott, Russell. It's a mobile crisis team with the Ontario Provincial Police, with the community, with the hospital as well. So when people start to get suicidal, we go on, we go in, in their home or wherever they're at, and we deal with that crisis to give them resources to start making processes, to decrystallize their thought process if, if we can. So what I've learned really helped. 
And after a while, I decided to really, well, about two, three years before COVID hit, I started with, because I always was in, in elite uh, sports. So I started with hockey, boxing, pro boxing, speedball. I had uh, mixed martial arts. Now I follow athletes in the UFC, in the uh, professional fighters league. So it, I was doing a lot of that and COVID hit. And well, did that my world change? It really, I realized how many people in the community needed uh, the help what I was doing. So what I did is I opened myself up to the community with people that had anxiety uh, from not having uh, social interactions. Uh, a lot of individuals started to have addiction problems or we saw it more. So I was dealing with those in a, a very quick way using hypnosis. It kind of drastically reduces the effects of withdrawals and craving to a surprisingly high level of, of recovery. And since then I opened up a company that, cause what I did in terms of study costs a lot of money. So what I wanted to do is how can I offer that, that material to others in an, is at a low cost. So we're building up all the courses that I did in, in my own way, in the ways of the, uh, other teachers were, uh, pre-recording the courses. So of course that was. No, I was taken, it was eight, $900 for three days. Now I, I've kind of did it my way and it's 1999 or a lower price. So everybody can, can benefit from the knowledge and, and grow. So when, since then I've been working a lot lately with some CEOs, some high, not ranking this high performance people that have a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure with, and that comes with a lot of addictions, a lot of problems, others than what you see on the facade of what they, they seek us in the background. There's a lot, there's a whole different world and what Facebook shows you with a smile and everything is rosy or cheesy and everything is good, you know, but uh, so I've been, I'm the guy working in, in the background, making sure that that person stays afloat and then grows and, and attains what they truly want. That's amazing. We may need to do a separate podcast just on uh, hypnotherapy and how that works in the world of addiction, because that would be fascinating for our listeners it, as well. Yeah, it, it really, there's a lot, there's different kinds of hypnosis. There's one that I, I sometimes use, but it's for trauma, like quick traumas, like blunt physical trauma that really will dissociate the person, to dissociate not in terms of psychology, but more of kind of put them in a deep sleep where the therapist takes control. And I don't like that. I really push for the hypnosis that comes, actually comes the newer kind of in 80 to 90 came from France. The locker did it and it, it, it increases your consciousness. It's like, you know, those aha moments when you say, oh yeah, that's what went wrong. And I, oh yeah, you finally, I got it. What it is, is that it, it makes you tap in your unconscious mind, but very consciously. So you are a hundred percent in control of your own therapy of, of how it's going to go. Because you're, you know, as a person, what's wrong with you deeply without the little conscious mind that blocks everything that puts, you know, smoke in front of you and, and fear and this and that. So 
by getting all that little piece of conscious mind off and you, it's like you take a step up and you see yourself like, wow. Okay. And then of course you deal with the unconscious mind. Well, you deal with images because then an image is worth a thousand words. So you deal with a symbol or an image of really what was going on. And it's different for everybody because you, you code, we all code stuff differently. Some are visual, some are auditory. We put emotions before the color, before the sound, for the, the, the sensation. So we code everything. So you are your best therapist. And that techniques, what it does is awakens that part that think we've forgotten time, how to help ourselves get better, how to change, how to you know, make ourselves evolve. And that part, that's what I use mostly with the high-ranking athletes, the CEOs, is that they become a lot more conscious. And every time you do it, you become more and more in tune with who you are and you can connect your, just all the pieces of who you are. That's brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's jump a little bit into the book that we're here to discuss today. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure we could go on forever on that. Yes, we can. Would you mind giving us a little bit of an overview of the book and uh, Uncommon Amongst the Common? How did the, the name come to be, for starters? Well, we were, me and Nabil and I were, were just talking, and that's that book, I want you to understand, Nabil is the co-author, and it really is a reflection of his life. And, and I encourage you to really take, it's going to take you a good two hours just to talk about his life, what he went through how, when he went higher, what he actually won against. Uh, he has a, a tremendous, tremendous life story that really needs to be told. But we were talking and it, it's that mentality that's not usually, people transform psychology sometimes into, it, 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 it weakens it at times. And, and I'll, I'll explain, like people that have drive, when you, you study, start studying them, start working with them, there's a certain pen, there's a certain way of, of thinking, exactly like a person that is in recovery. You have to have your mindset for recovery. You have to have your mindset to say, okay, from this point on, I'm not touching anything again. I'm growing. I'm becoming who I'm supposed to be. And, and that book really is telling people, hey, listen. Get all the stuff that you might have learned carried on those, those bag of stones that you took. Let it go. Be and discover your inner champion because every single person has the ability or, or that, that parcel in them that can make them great. They are great. They just put so much crap in it through the years that it, it's under a pile of crap. But what this book is telling you is how to get all those layers off and become who you were meant to be. And no excuses, no, just because what stops us really from is to think sometimes some people think that what I've done in the past, that's what I am. No, that is just the behavior you had that brought you to that place in time. Today, in every single day, you can choose your own behaviors. Choose, hey, I'm going to stay sober another day, another hour, another and you choose, you make those conscious choices. And by doing that, you reorient your life. You reorient your target of what you want to be. Because one, you, why you want to be sober is because your, your why, your reason is very strong. There's, everybody's different, but they want to say, I want to become this person. I want to, I want to live. I want to have a family. I want to have kids. I want to come back to my kids. Everybody has a very strong reason. 
And that why, that's that really that core reason is what going to help you all through those steps and the hardships that are that are there. Absolutely. And, you know, so many people in the recovery world have had to they've had to use things as coping mechanisms in their life, you know, to get to the point that they are at today. They've survived until today. But starting to unpack that stuff, starting to lift that off and get down to the layers of authenticity and who I truly want to be under that. And, you know, literally getting to know myself at this phase in my life and who am I and who do I want that person to grow to be? And so, yeah, these things absolutely track side by side, most definitely. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you get those layers off, is that as you go along, the bigger, the clearer your why is, is your target, it, it, the more powerful you're going to be. And that's what I tell, you know, the people that I work with, whatever sports they're in, whatever professions they're in, the clearer their why and they feel it. They, it's, and one of the tricks to knowing that is that you actually close your eyes to see better. And then they go with it with all their senses. They feel their why. They're in there. They soak in it. They you know that heart rate changes. That if if, if there's if there's outside, they they get perfume from the flowers. So they use all their senses to anchor that why. Is and it becomes a magnet. And when you come back, it's like man, this is this is it. I your brain already knows that's what you want. You and if you put in intention and the intensity of your emotions there, you're, it's going to be so much easier because it's going to come easier and it's clearer than, okay, then in the present, where am I? I'm not at a place I want to be. Okay. I need to get these people out because they have, they, they just want to use drugs or alcohol on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I don't want to do that. I want to get there. So it makes your brain clearer on what do I need to have in my environment? How do I want to behave now that and I'm going to be there. Do I behave differently? Yes. And how do I behave and start behaving like that? The, what do I need to learn? What strategies do I need to do to be to that level? What beliefs and, and values do I need to have to increase or to let go of? Because what you are now was the product of your past, but what you want to do is your present is going to become, you're going to become the product of your future. Absolutely. So you, you have to choose. And every day it's a choice. Am I closer? Am I not? And to not be afraid to, to change, not be afraid to say, okay, you know what? Yeah, yesterday I thought I was that, but man, I messed up. And I need to go right back here because my wife tells me this, and I need, now I know it's clear as that way. And to re-question every move you make, not in a negative way, but it, is it the most powerful one? Is it what is made for me? Is that aligned with who I am? And then to go to the next level, because identity is basically a cluster of all the values and beliefs of who you are and the thoughts. So that's very important because if you change some of those values and beliefs, you're changing your identity, a part of your identity. Absolutely. And our identity is not frozen in time. It's very fluid. What who you are now is maybe not going to be what you are tomorrow or in one hour because you might have lived something that just liberated yourself, had a, you know, all these emotions came out, your thoughts, you live something beautiful and it just something in there, put a seed and you just, wow, you just have that ha hum. So every single moment, if you live in the present, can increase, can change you, can motivate you, can mold you in what you need to become. 
Absolutely. That's a great segue into who do you think your program would be most beneficial for? It's anybody who sometimes is lost. Sometimes at the beginning of recovery, at the, at, they're, they're at the place where they're asking, okay, you know what? I'm at the place where I'm at my lowest. I want to change. You know, AA has mentors, has people, and that's great because those mentors are like your target, your, your, your reasons, your why. They make it clear for you and they accompany you to that. And what it is, that book is just, it's a reminder that, hey, I can do anything with who I am. I can become anything. I have to put the effort. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing's going to be done for you. Nobody's going to rescue you. Your recovery is depending on your efforts, on who you are and what you want to be and how much effort and energy you're going to put into it. And actually, if you want to change. So, because it, it, a lot of times we want to change, but there's a lot of secondary gain. What do we do with those secondary grains? So, you know, in NLP, we can actually, there's the signs that we can, the person realizes how they can have those secondary gains with new behaviors that are healthier and, and are building that person up and not destroying that, that person. So the, you, that book is really for anybody who wants to question themselves, has the courage to say, you know what, that's it. That's it. I'm going to live a life free of alcohol, free of drugs. And I want to live and, and then create that, that life for, for them. It helps you step by step, just like a mentor, just like a, a, a sponsor. Just, and I encourage people, if you have an addiction, get the help you need. That book is one thing is great. But as you know, there's so many, your app, communities that support and, and help each other. That's so important. That, that, that social bond, that, that human contact to help you grow and stay on the right path. So yes. that book is just one little piece of what, you, a reminder of what you need. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We will say repeatedly, connection beats addiction. And no, no one recovery path is linear. There are lots of different directions you can go and lots of different tools and things that are available. But I think the majority of successes have another hand that's that's reached out to them. And it's usually somebody else who's been down this path before who can be like, hey, you know, this is what I did. Let me show you what I did and what worked for me. It, Absolutely. And that's exactly what in, in business, what I what I realized with people that were in business or people that in sports, they have a team behind them. Huh? You know, they have a team of some of them are mentors, some of them are coaches, however you want to call them. It's the same with anything that you're going through in life. You have a team with you, a, a, a the group you're at, your apps. It's a team that's actually of mentors can help every single person through hardship, through what they've been through themselves. Say, hey, this is what's going to happen next. Wake up. <laughs> you know, if you don't wake up, it's going to hurt. So, you know, so. It, it, it's kind of that guidance, that that knowledge, and, and that experience, that that talk, and, and that's why that book says. In my book says, always get you guys some mentor, people that are for you, that want you to grow, that want the best for you, because there's always going to be some naysayers and some people like that. So you got to know them real quick in, in life. And some of them, they're not naysayers, but you know what? They 
they also have their own issues. Like if they've been so friends with you, you have this group of friends and you party, but they don't want you to change because they're afraid of losing you. They're afraid of, hey man, we're going to lose you. And so you have to say, you know, for now, I'm putting it aside until, because I want to get sober, I want to do this. It doesn't mean cut the connections off, but it means choosing your environment that's going to be better for you to support you in the terms when it's not going to be that easy. Absolutely. Restructuring your priorities as, as you need to. You don't necessarily Absolutely. break these things or cut these things off, but you may need to look at what your environment is like in the process. So Absolutely. Wonderful. Let's talk a little bit about what holds people back. One of the things that spoke to me in the book, you guys stated that many bad decisions are emotionally driven. How does that? Yeah, it's, it's where we are, 90% emotions. I mean, we are a product of, unfortunately, zero to six. We're just like a sponge. Whatever happened, we didn't have a whole lot of you know, choices. Our, our mind are not like we are now. So we soaked it up. And... And then from six to 12, now we soak up the environment. So a lot of times we, when we're all packed with all those, those values, those beliefs, those emotions. And what happens is that sometimes we react in a way that we don't want. We, some people, Hey, I got to work on getting not angry, angry as fast as I'm doing now, but realizes that when he's angry, he makes bad decisions. He makes piss for or quick decision that in the short run, oh yeah, this is, I'm going to get rid of him, this and that. But then at, at the end, when he's calmer, he realizes, oh man, I screwed up. I screwed up because the, so we have to, at, at one point, clean up our emotional baggage. We have to clean it up. What was useful before, you know, it may not be useful now that your environment changed, that your priorities change, your values change, your identity is changing, who you want to be is all changing. Because in the past, being prompt and angry because you lived in an environment if you weren't angry defending yourself, you would get beat up. But now if that environment changes and you're in, 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 in your workplace, you're still, you got to be careful because if you don't change all that, you'll reproduce that. You'll, even though the person comes to you, your filters are made for that kind of environment. So you're going to perceive that kind of environment, even though the environment has changed, you're going to perceive the other of what they're making as not all that stuff, because I know, because it, it was there before and I know it. And then it, it recreates that, in, that environment. That's why as you grow, purify yourself as what do I need? I don't need. I was like that before, but you know what? It's a whole new ballgame. There's actually people wanting the best and not to take advantage of me because they like me. They like me. They want the best for me. Wow. And realize that people are there to help us. Well, there are going to be always some people that are not there to help and some people that will enter you because seeing you grow puts them in their face of their own powerlessness, of their own fears and their own issues inside. And they don't, they don't, they don't want to deal with that. And that's a whole new story. That's a whole new podcast. <laughs> Talk <Right>. about that. <laughs> so you, you have to purify yourself. You have to shred like, like an onion or, you know, little pieces here, here and there. And that's why, so why your, why your reason, the core of what you're doing stuff has to be purposely driven. 
Absolutely. Perfect. So, you know, in the recovery community, we talk quite a bit about triggers, triggers for, for alcoholics, addicts. It's generally something that, that drives us to make poor decisions, right? We, we have Absolutely. to recognize our triggers, to learn how to get ahead of them. The book also talks about triggers. So what sort of triggers should somebody be aware of or on the lookout for? What kind of follow in this process? Everybody has his own triggers from life, from their upbringing, uh, how they saw life. And, and what's wonderful, what I see wonderful is that people with addiction have an opportunity that maybe normal people don't have, is that they do a lot of work on themselves, a lot of work. And start by, you know, identifying, hey, when I, when I did this, when and it's a barbecue and you know what? When the steak, the smell of the steak gets on there, man, I just want to drink a beer. I do that. I hear that pan. I see the sweat on that can. You know all those triggers. So, but they 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 become to know, and then the more knowledge they have about themselves, they can they can they can prevent that the trigger. And in neuroscience, what we do a lot is we break down because a trigger has multiple steps in it inside of you. So what we do is we just break. The, the chain of how it goes and actually doesn't, doesn't get alive. It, 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 it doesn't, it's like, what, like a, I'm from the old times where you have a, you know, those leaves and then oh. you put the, you know, it was so cool. So now anyway, it's like you put that, the needle in and you scratch it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then what happens is that you'll never play that record again. It'll never sound the way it is. And at one point it'll never, it'll won't produce that, that music. So that's what we do is we change the code, we change the path of how that triggers goes and we dismantle it. So that person doesn't have it. What's great is that people that work on themselves and, and, and give that energy to it, identify all those triggers. It's so easy after and they have like 10 steps ahead of the, 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 the family guy or the family person that, you know, never, never got psychology. I'm not going to work on myself. When, when the child gets home, he gets mad because the, 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 he got so many triggers that he never worked on, but he doesn't know or she doesn't know that it's poisoning their reality, poisoning what they are now. So everybody has triggers, some positive, some negative, or at the moment they seem negative, but at the moment they may seem positive. As you change, as you grow, they then some triggers you say, oh, I got to get rid of them, some not. I got to get conscious of that. I got to be careful with that one. I got to work on myself. Ooh, take a deep breath and, you know, all, all those coping mechanisms. So it's, it's wonderful because what sometimes worked in the past that pushed you all the way up to who you are now in the positive, sometimes you say, okay, where I want to go, my why, that thing will work. It worked before. And I thank it because I'm there where I am now. But you know what? I'll put it aside. So I can make place for something else, something new. And not be afraid to say, I need something new. What do I need? That's why sponsors, mentors, and all that and say, okay, what I did in that, that kind of situation is that the other one, no, I did, I did this a little bit different. So they, they absorb what the new stuff, it makes, it, it, it helps them grow and achieve their, their, their why. Definitely. I love the mental image of the, the scratched record as, as, you know, reprogramming of the brain, because that's something we do talk a lot about in recovery is you, you have to recognize these things and then change your response to it. 
And so if you kind of picture that little zigzag on your record where you don't quite go in the same track that you once did, that's a perfect analogy. Yeah. And, and the, one of the great tricks is that you do it with your mind because, you know, we're intelligent beings. But if you want to retrack faster, don't scratch it faster and then do another thing that you have to, first of all, enjoy where you're going with pleasure. Do it with pleasure. Because if you do something with pleasure, you do it, you learn it 10 times faster. And with emotions and intensity, have fun doing it. Enjoy it. Not just, okay, I want to go through here to there. I got this. I'm going to do that. Yes. Yes. You have to. Yes. You have to think about it. Absolutely. But put your, all your senses into it and become that and have fun and enjoy it. Because if you anchor with your emotions, oh man, it's got, it won't take long and that trigger is not going to be there anymore. And you're going to go immediately to that response that you created for yourself. You took that time in a loving, caring way to create for you to have something better. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, you talked uh, a little bit earlier about finding your inner champion, you mentioned. And in my yeah. notes here, I also have finding your inner beast is one of the big yes. uh, kind of yes. words in the book to pursue. Yes. Really important for people. So let's talk a little bit about what sure. that looks like. And there's as much as you need to, there's also a warning to it. And that's why the mentors, the coaches, everything comes, comes to, to a place. And I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, a great example of that is, you know, your dark side is there. What I call the dark side. There's different aspects of it. But when you grow up, your mom says, don't hit your brother. Don't hit your sister. You know, the, the don'ts, the dis, the that, then you think is wrong. You put that in your conscious mind. And that's also part of your shadow. The anger that we don't, that we think sometimes it is is wrong, but anger is not wrong. Anger is a beautiful emotion. Sometimes it's how we use it. And why we're so afraid of it is why the judgment, if I'm not like this, how am I going to be judged? What am I going to become? Who am I going to become? Well, it's all on how you use those emotions, that, that shadow. Become friends with it. Don't run away with it. If you, the, the shadow is the shadow. If you run away with it, it's, it's going to follow you. <laughs> it's going to be there. So sit down, just accept the shadow and say, okay, I'm, you know, I get angry easily. I'm more irritable. I was a son of a bitch to that person or I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't say that in your class. Okay. But it, just accept what you did. Yes, that's it. I did it. Yeah. Okay. I have that potential. Yes. But anger is so good because if you're in a situation of life and death, you need that anger. You need that power. You need that, that force that, you know, that you use perhaps for something not right, but it's still energy. So more and more you're comfortable with it. And then the more and more you choose consciously, well, how can I use this for my good? How can I build in you? Because it's a lot of energy. How can I build and be free of all the judgment of myself? And how can I use it to grow? So when something is hard, you say, yeah, I don't know if I can pass through. Well, use part of that anger. Use part of, the, of whatever part of the shadow you use. Channel it in a very positive way and give you that extra boost, extra energy to go wherever you want to go. So that's why sometimes mentor are super important because people have put the shadows so far behind with, you know, they don't want to touch it that when they liberate it, sometimes it goes wild a little bit because they, that's what they're afraid of. So that's why mentors are there to help you and channel that 
and coaches about that or a therapist or anybody that can help you with that. Is and and you you know people that think they have all all of it mastered, it, it's not true. And, and one of the best example that, that I can tell you is you always have to be careful with your shadow. Is Mike Tyson the boxer? I mean, for me, he's one of the greatest. We can discuss who was Muhammad Ali, or but he he has a lot of anger that he used to become the heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, he, you know, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, but he lost control at one point of that anger. And it made him do things that put him to jail, that put him to death. So that's what people are afraid is, am I going to lose control? But they don't give themselves enough credit as well. People have so much strength in them. When it comes time to use it, they use it. You use it. You get it. It's the, it's a, hey, where did that, where did that come from? But somewhere you always knew you had it. Some people sometimes are more afraid of the light, of the power that they have as a being, as, as a, as a, in a positive way. Then that's why they don't want to use it. They don't want to discover how powerful they are. They want to stay weak because that's what they know. Mm -hmm. But you have to, to expand and, and become free of the, your own judgment, actually. It's, it's your own judgment, not the judgment of everybody else. Most of the time you realize after a while, I don't care. It's your own judgment about yourself that really puts brakes and the beliefs and the values you attach to that judgment, to who you are, who you were. Oh, definitely. And, 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 and the beliefs and the values of who you want to be. If you attach, it's going to be great because of this, the more positive, the more emotion you attach to your why, the faster and the easier it's going to flow to get it. It uh, makes me think one of the most powerful phrases I think I've ever heard in recovery, and I've clung to this for a long time, is I am in control of my emotions, not the other way around. Absolutely. Um, and if you can use that mentality and harness things like your anger, like you said, or great joy or great hopefulness, you know, and, and channel that energy yeah that i mean that makes a ton of sense to kind of fuel yeah. that that forward motion uh, i've known a lot of individuals that don't believe they are worthy of goodness of love of being loved of being happy truly happy and it's all about beliefs you change that belief of yourself you put the belief that you want to have exactly that and then you, you evolve, you change. We talked a little bit about this, but friends, family, the people surrounding us in this process, are they, are they a help? Are they a hindrance? Do you have to kind of weed through and find out? <laughs> it, it, it really depends on case by case. Because you got families that say, you know what? We're so happy, they're so overwhelmed when you decide that day to, to recover, to be the best version of yourself and they're going to support you, going to give you this. But at the same time, the person that was sick in the system of the family, of the growth, of the friends, played a role. And they don't want to lose all the benefits that you're giving them. They had control of your, of your I don't know, they had control of your life or they had control of this because they, they were making decisions. for the, So all of that, they don't want to lose. So you got to be careful. Because people want your best, but at the same time, there are individuals that had had a, a hand in all that, and they had a role to play in that in that system. 
now that you're deciding to change that system, because you're, you're an element of that system, you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm worthy. I want to get better. I want to love myself deeply. And I, want, I deserve that love as well. I deserve a partner that's going to love me to the, to the level that I do believe I deserve. And then you distance yourself. And then you realize who will help you. It becomes very clear who will help you and who will not, who doesn't want you to change or who, and, and who's going to put sticks in your will. And it's going to become very easy to just filter them out. I, I don't, I'm, and I'm not talking cutting contact forever or never talking to them. But I'm saying in your phase of where you're at, your stage of life, you are, it's just saying, okay, man, you know what? I love you, but right now. I need to do this on my own and you cannot be part of it. And then you name stuff because that's what you do. And, and I, it can't, I don't want to be slowed down. And if you want to, you know, join me in terms of getting, getting better, getting stronger and losing stuff. Hey, at the top, yeah, there's not a whole lot of people, but you know what? There's a whole lot of place. I have a whole lot of people too. Very true. What, what about if somebody's really kind of running up against stress or anxiety when they're trying to, to tackle these sort of big changes in their life? What sort of, what sort of you, things do they utilize to counter that? Well, that's why, that's where the team comes in. That's why, you know, your groups, your apps, your meetings, your Facebook stuff say, hey, and then tonight Chad say, hey, can I, can I see you at the coffee shop? I'm getting stressed. And, and, and you were saying it before, it's human connection. He, 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 you said it before, and they, they made studies where human connection actually helped drastically people with addiction. I mean, it, it's a drastic, very powerful tool. It, it, it's connection. And depending on what the stressors are, because you know what, depending of, of, is it because it comes from insecurities, uh, values, beliefs, uh, lack of, so you have to look deeper at that, what's causing you distress or stress or anxiety? Is it because you know what you're going to go is, is what you were looking for, but at the same time, you're pulled back by who it's new. Am I going to succeed? Am I going to get flat on my face? Am I going to go back to addiction? Am I, so you, you're, you're come with that. So that's also an indicator that your why, your reason need to be invested even more. With emotions clearer, with with you know a lot of of magnets in there pulling you towards it. That ties perfectly into the aspect of fear as well. Fears around change. I imagine fear yep. props up a lot when people are kind of yeah. trying to navigate something like this. Oh yeah, and, and fear. It, I, I use. I love. It sounds silly, but I want to tell you, but I, I love fear because it's like a Formula One. You got an engine, you got gas in there, it's super powerful because you got the joy, the drive, your why is there. But I, I spoke to a lot of champions um, and m most of them will tell you what drives them most of the time is fear. Fear of losing, fear of I'm arriving in the ring, wherever the ring is, whatever sports or whatever. I arrived to that big meeting, the CEO being ridiculed, being, you know, and that fear becomes another engine. Now you got to dose it. You got to, you got to know how to use that fear because 
Why not use the carrot and the stick? Meaning, you know what? I want to become this because I deserve love. And you use fear to say, if I don't, in five years, I'm dead. Or two years, I'm dead. You can use fear as that. And it's very powerful too. Saying, if, I, if I'm not going forward, I'm sinking in back in what I have. And within a year or two, the doc told me, my heart can't take it. I'm up. I'm, I'm gone. I'm, I'm dead. I'm going to lose all that I have. So by having both drives, you can go a lot further saying it's like something you're building a wall in the back that if you start going back, the wall's going to stop. You say, whoa, 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 what you doing there? So you have to go forward and that drive as well will put you forward. So fear to a certain limit is good, but you have to kind of slowly, step by step, use it to your advantage. And that's very personal. And, and on, it can be on little things. If I'm not a, if I'm not a good father, what's going to happen in two years, three years, four years from my child? What if, you know, I, I got to be the best and that's my, that's my why. And that's how I have to do it. And it's invested. But if also I can't go back, I can't, I got to live every single moment. Right. Perfect. So that fear exactly is there. what I was thinking. It's, yeah, it's the partnership of a fear and hope, basically. You don't want to go back to where you've been. And then you want to have that strong vision ahead of you of what your goal is, what your desire is, what you're pursuing. Absolutely. And people think because they move forward on, 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 on something that they're not accustomed to. It can be love. It can be any emotion that we take for granted, you know. But they always think, oh, if I fall, I'm going to fall back into addiction. But they don't realize that all through that process, they grew. Mm-hmm. They changed. They're not the same person they were two months, three months, or six days ago. They've Sometimes the, the change goes very quickly. So they don't realize that, hey, even though I fail or I'm not getting what I thought I was going to get right now, I'm not back into addiction. I left that because I'm not that person anymore. I left a big part of it there. So they have to realize that change is, is very fluid and very constant. But you know, that, that fear of the unknown is part of the human being. I mean, it's part of us. Absolutely. We, one of the other podcast topics that we want to talk about is relapse. And, and that's, of course, just about every addict or alcoholic's greatest fear is to slip back into it and get lost in addiction. And, and it's, it's something that we talk quite a bit about. It's actually a really powerful learning experience. It can be yeah. uh, another step in this journey. I am a firm believer that recovery is not linear. And just because you have a slip doesn't put you back to, to day one. You know, you're, you're never going to go oh, back no. to where you started. Oh, no, because you, you, you've done so much work to get where you're at. That, yeah, you're right. A slip at this and that. It's okay. Because you know what? You have to forgive yourself. Let it go. But then when you get that slip off, you realize, oh, I, I've regretted today. one. No, you're just where you started that slip and you're continuing because you're the same person. And, or you can be even further because you've learned from that slip and say, oh, that's what it was when I doing this and that, that brought me to this. And then you, did, you know, you start analyzing it and then you grow even more. And then that slip will never happen again because it needed to happen there for you to grow further in and to become who you are distantly. Absolutely. Yep. Dead on. So how about adaptability and flexibility? You know, I, I imagine somebody kind of needs to be willing to, to 
be flexible as they start pursuing yeah. changing in their lives? How often do they find that maybe things fall away that don't serve them anymore they used to? Exactly. That's exactly it. And you know what? It's like the pilot of a, of a plane. That, you know, you're taking a plane, you're going to Hawaii, you want that vacation, it's great, you're, you're looking forward to it. And, you know, that pilot sets the coordinates from California to Hawaii. But that, what, what you don't know is that plane is never on a straight line because the winds are going to blow, they're going to have wind, they may have a storm, they may have this. So flexibility is exactly like that. You say, what is my why? I want this. But if in my mind, okay, this is how you got to go straight up. And like you said, recovery is not linear. It, it's, it's not a straight line. And then you realize what you thought was going to go straight. Well, if you believe in the higher power, they say, well, you know what? You need to learn this for, because if you don't learn it, you're going to relapse later. So it goes, puts you a little bit to the left and then a little bit to the right. Then you go and then you, you but what really is produces pain or fear is that the resistance and the, the, the resistance of, I don't, I, I don't want to go left. No, no, no. I got to go back. But if you trust and, and trust life, trust the higher power, trust your why, trust the mentors that are in your life, the groups that are in your life. And then you actually live the moment and learn afterwards when you take a step back. You're going to say, oh man, I really needed that. I really needed that because in my life right there and now I needed to learn exactly that. It came at the right moment because if I didn't learn that, I wouldn't have that person in my life. I wouldn't know that I, I wouldn't. So you have to be willing to be flexible in your plan because life and who you are, who as a person in life in general will give you what you want. It's just sometimes you think it's going to be in a blue wrapper, but it's, it, it's, it's red. It's in a small box. So you just have to adapt and say, okay, that's what it was. Got it. Because we always get what we, we ask for. Because that's why you got to be very clear, exactly clear on what you want and how you want it. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I was having this talk with someone a couple of weeks ago about manifestation and the power of kind of wishing, you know, and, and thinking and focusing on the things you want. And I told her, well, you know, I found myself worried that there was going to be a problem with my garage door. And sure enough, it broke last week. So manifested <laughs> in the wrong direction, I think, on that one. You know, I think, I think, you know, somewhere that a lot of people kind of struggle with this idea of changing and pushing and moving forward is that they, they just don't feel confident. They're lacking the self-confidence to feel strong enough, maybe. So do you feel like someone needs to be confident in that ability to start this process or really well, will that confidence kind of grow as they, as they work through it? You grow as you go through it. And let me tell you about, about confidence or any emotion, like when insecurities, I want to get through this moment because I want to become this, but you realize you have to go through that moment. You won't have it before. You have to go through that moment. And at the end, you have the confidence that you needed for that moment, but you have it at the end because you were building it, constructing it. And at the end, it's revealed to you. So it don't want to change sometimes because, you know, in their lives, they, they did the same things, same behaviors, tried to change, and it produces all what they didn't want. 
So they're fearful because all they know is that I tried, I tried, I tried. Yeah, what did you try? How did you try? The same way, every time expecting something, a different result. Well, let, let's revise that. Let's look back at that. But in their mind, they try so much. All they got is negative stuff. Yes, but you tried just one little thing. So they may be fearful of that. And it's sometimes changing. We call it perceptual chairs where you, you sit down at another level. You see this, this problem, but you sit down at another angle. You refocus it, relook at it. Oh, then you see something detailed, something different. Well, I might try that. That's why mentors sometimes are so good. And teachers, it's like, you no, know, when that happened, I did it this way. And I, I lived the same thing as you. But in this, they listen. They truly listen. They learn from the people. They trust them. Then they can, they can grow. Trust is, has to be there. And confidence will come. Confidence will come with your actions that you do. I'm confident that, you know, I'm confident that I can shovel my driveway window because I did it. Now, confidence, is self-confidence is different than self-esteem. So self-confidence is on the, on the things that you do, your behaviors, you accomplish and say, I am confident and I can get recovery. I'm confident that I, you know, I can do the laundry, do the dishes, do this because you already made it. You have that confidence. So it's by actually doing things that they're going to build that confidence. Right. So the more you do in different when try it. The worst thing you can do is fail, but you learn not that, that you know what you learn. That's not how you do it. Okay. You know, if, if the guy, you know, the one who invented the light bulb tried a thousand times. And when he was asked, what, why did you fail? He said, I didn't fail. I've learned a thousand ways not to build it. How to build that. So I've learned and it taught me how to actually build the light bulb. So now we have electricity and we have light. So he learns it's how you perceive things as well. Oh, absolutely. Perception is so, so powerful. And just the way that you approach something can make all the difference in the world. Oh, absolutely. So I wanted to talk a little bit about delayed gratification, which is another, another kind of note that came up in the book. I, I think we can all agree we're in a very instant gratification society between, you know, internet and cell phones and microwaves and fast cars and all of the above. Fast food that you go there and two minutes you get a, you get a meal and nothing very nutritious, but you know, and, and you can see it in, and there was a study that was made recently in the past year. And it's the, actually the social media that produced the decreased attention span for kids. Now, if you want a commercial to catch their attention, you don't, you cannot do it as you used to do it before. It has to be within 10 to seven seconds. Intense, high music, flashes, volume of, of, of a mass of, of images. And because if you do it slower or longer, people will just click off and go somewhere else. So they're so used to that, to that, that is high, that rush of stimulus that they're not used anymore to opening up a book and reading the joy of, of opening up a book, reading of, you know, I, I, that's my ultimate joy is uh, winter time here in, in Canada, it's minus 20 and 30, put some wood in the fireplace. I got a chair just ready and I opened my book and a new book and I read it. And for me, it's the best thing in the world. But people are, are now molded by media to 
have lower attention span, consume without even knowing what they're consuming because it goes so fast. So we're, the society that's coming up is very vulnerable to not making their own choices of, of just feeding on what somebody else is giving them. So that's pretty scary. It is scary. Would you tell us a little bit about uh, unleashing someone's potential for success? What kind of roles can their values, sacrifices, and habits play into that? Anybody. I mean, it's every single person on earth has the potential to succeed. Succeed, success is defined also by the person. For me, I, I define success of being connected, being happy, and, and truly happy. And for me, what makes me happy is family. It's not necessarily physical things like a house, a car, or this or that, but it's very little things for me, successes. You know, the seeing, seeing my son laugh. It, it's all different things, but you have to define what truly for you. And in, in, in every definition, it is good. What is success for you? Truly, that makes you happy. Because I saw very successful people that from the norm of society that were extremely depressed, mm -hmm. making millions and millions of dollars a year with different companies. I mean, but drinking their life away or, or they were not happy. They were not the, the, and most of it comes back to one of the things you were saying, they were lacking the human connection as well. That, 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 that's one of the core, core things that, that is one of the, I, I believe is go is, is a healer and what the kids are going away from because of all the media is that human contact that, that, that connection, they, they have it to a machine, they have it to images, they have, but they don't have that human connection. So that's what scares me as well. It is frightening. And yeah, there's more and more studies coming out about that. That, yeah. that yeah, kids kids are losing the ability to even form those kind of bonds and connections and make eye contact and read, you know, expressions and body language because it's just not what they're exposed to so much. So, but to go back to your to your original question, and you have the kindness to repeat it because sometimes I, my brain goes somewhere as well. And then of it goes course, back. of course. Just how? What's the best way for someone to go about unleashing their full potential? Basically, is having a team with you, people that you trust. And, and, and when I say a team, people you trust, that may sound silly, but it can be people that, in history, that already died. That oh, man, I respect this this fellow because he was so good, and and kind of go in and say, why do I respect him so much? Why do, do I like him so much? Why does it touches me so, so deeply? And look at the values, the beliefs, the actions, and what was behind. That's usually the human talk, the, the human part. That's what we crave. That's what we want to be like. So in, in just asking yourself if they're not there, what, how would I think he would have react if he was in a situation like that? You know, we're young kids and teenagers or pre-teenagers always asking, what, who's your superhero? Why? Why did, what does he believe in? What, how would he act that way? So they get a clear, clear vision of how they need to act. So they, you can become your own hero by being truly who you are. The same thing actually as 
what you were saying at the beginning where you get, you know, your authentic self, you get everything on and you, you just be who you are. That's the hero in you. That's who you're destined to be. And, and, and I, I say this and people say, people that went through hardship are 10 steps ahead of somebody that didn't because they did that work. They, they started to shed all the stuff that they didn't need to be in that inner, inner hero shines. It's starting to shine. The lights are starting to come, you know, pierce through like the eggs cracking and you see the light coming up and you see that person and then you you know, you're close because you're doing the work. In fact, there's more, they did research recently. There's more super achievers in terms of say super achievers of people that have success in their life that they, they know they succeeded. They're happy with a rough background than somebody that didn't have a rough background. I believe it. Probably at least in part, they can see perhaps a more stark contrast between where they started and where they got to and that sense of accomplishment, that sense of yeah. pride in how far they've come. Absolutely. I love it. Do you have any closing thoughts for us, Mark? Anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with? You guys, with, with your, your Facebook, your books, you're doing a wonderful job. Continue this movement and that human contact because that's the key. That's the key. Fully agree. Yep. Connection beats addiction. Oh, uh, I'm all for that. Absolutely. That, that's for me is the key. It is connection. Fabulous. Well, thank you, Mark, so much for being with us today. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me and have, have a great day and hope that garage door opener gets fixed soon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs>